0: Let's go. Hello and welcome to Sustain Open Source Design. Is it Sustain our design? No, it's Sustain Open Source Design. Yes, Yes. Sustain Open Source Design. SOS. (laughs) Welcome to Sustaining Open Source Design, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source design for the long haul, what it means, who it means what to, and how we can improve and create new experiences in this field. Today, we are joined by Jessica Mueller. Jess, she's calling in from Darmstadt, and she is the senior UX designer at Grafana Labs, leading the design efforts to make Grafana's alerting feature as user-friendly as possible. Hi, Jess. How's it going?
1: Hi. Thanks. Going great. Having a good day today.
0: Joining me, we have Memo Esparza and Errol. Hello, folks. Good to be here.
2: Hello, everyone.
0: Well, Jess, you've brought in a couple of really great things for this episode we've already talked a little bit about, and I would love to talk to you more about here. And let's start off by a question that you've asked here that I really love. What does it mean to design in an open source way for real? This is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I would love to hear all of your thoughts about it.
1: So this is my first open source job at Grafana. And Grafana is originally just a fork of another probably open source project. So it is made by engineers for engineers originally. And so the mindset of this project and the company behind it that has recently grown to unicorn status. So at this point, it's just like a very successful, still open source, but also financially successful project. The company has had a very open source driven and community driven mindset. But I feel like recently that has been changing because of all the monetary gain and the paying customers attached to it. And of course, we have to make sure that we consider their wishes and their needs as well. And so that's a bit of a thing where I'm wondering, does it really still count as open source if you're focusing more and more on paying customers and maybe not as much on the community as the original spirit when you were just a five-person side project team? So that's one question that we could talk about.
3: I'm interested in this. How did you start to... Pay attention to open source? How did you start thinking this is a good investment, you know, of your time and talent? Uh, like how that worked out for you in your creative career and led you into working at Grafana Labs?
1: I think I've always been a little bit of a nerd. So I taught myself how to code when I was still a kid. And even though I haven't really followed through with it to the point where I was a software engineer, I wasn't scared of that. And back then I already encountered free things that you could do yourself. Although I wasn't familiar with the terms open source and I didn't build anything from GitHub or stuff like that. I wasn't that nerdy, but yeah, I have a lot of developer friends and people who work on tech stuff because I am that kind of nerdy. And so when I found this company, Grafana, it wasn't about open source for me at first. It was more about, oh, this is data visualization. And that's a thing that from my designer perspective, I'm really interested in. But when I also realized they are open source and they have a really inclusive and community-driven culture and mindset, that felt like a really nice place to work at. It felt like a less greedy and more friendly type of company and a nice bonus feature, so to say. And I've really enjoyed it actually, because since I joined that company, I have gone to some meetups pre-pandemic at least. And the people from the community were really excited about the software and they all loved it and they were so helpful. And as a designer working on user experience, where research is a big part of my process and my day-to-day work, it's so nice to have people who are super eager to participate in the research, to give feedback. And they get so excited when you're involving them, you know, it's not like you have to chase them. And before I worked with regular clients in an agency and they're, they often were kind of annoyed at spending the extra time to do the extra UX work and taking another iteration and, you know, prolonging the effort. And in open source, I feel like everyone is so happy that things are being improved and being worked on. And I feel like most of our users at least are kind of in for the long haul already because the software has been around for, I think, six or seven years. So a lot of our users are not super fresh. I mean, those are still there, but it's already a stable user base and everyone still loves it. So that's just a very nice experience to be working with all of these external people.
0: We had a guest talk about that exact spirit as well, and I think that is a wonderful defining piece of the open source world is this nature within it to be focusing on creating your own experience. regardless of whether or not you are you know, contributing to a specific thing or if you're just benefiting from it, being given that opportunity to contribute is viewed as a very positive thing. I think it's really cool that you've picked up on that. And especially, you know, as designers working in that field, it is so rewarding to be able to reach out to people and ask for specific contributions and have them respond to that. And, you know, to that end, when you are seeking that specific contribution, how do you go about that? How do you initially reach out? Is there a specific user base that you can pull from? Or is this direct with clients?
1: It's definitely a mixture of both of these things. So we do have an existing client base for, I mean, sometimes we do have features that are driven by client needs. So we will of course research with them first because they have that actual need. And then also in running our product at scale, it's especially paying customers who are more interesting for the research because often the open source users just have smaller setups. So it's hard to test the sort of more technical limits or usability limits of lists with thousands of items. So that's definitely part of it. But we do like to recruit open source users as well because if I remember correctly, it's maybe like 1% of Profana users who are paying customers and 99% still open source. So. Of course, we want all the parties involved to be represented in some way. So it's always nice to have open source users to talk to. And in the past, I've had good experience recruiting from GitHub feature requests or issues and just putting a survey in there or asking people to schedule something on Calendly But I've also had good experience using the existing Grafana community channels. We have a public Slack community and we have a community website. And sometimes we recruit people from there as well. And as the UX team at Grafana has grown, we have started to build out a research repository where we just have people sort of on a roster and can recruit them via newsletter directly. So that's is getting a bit easier in the past, you know, trying to recruit from the faceless community on Slack can be a bit daunting and you don't want to annoy people. But if you add channel the entire 6,000 stack community, then people are not going to enjoy that. <laughs> but we do try.
2: As we talk about this and, and something kind of stuck in my brain as it often does in, in these conversations. So pardon if this is a little of a... Diversion from the conversation that we're on at the moment. And also, it's quite a contentious subject, I think, money. I want to talk about money. You talk about paid users and open source users. And I have worked at open source organizations that really struggled to be funded and had no paid users or lots of paid users at one point and then no paid users. And then I've worked at organizations that got paid users, which are very, let's say, affluent that could pay for a lot of big features. And then users which could not pay for any features and therefore kind of had to make do with whatever they were handed. It makes the sort of equity justice sort of person within me kind of cringe a bit and kind of curl up because I feel like it shouldn't necessarily be their opposite ends of the spectrum, like being able to fund open source in whatever ways are possible and ethical and work should be explored, I think, always. But then I wonder how you feel about funding open source and specifically like funding open source design, because we're here to talk about design and open source. And do you think that the users that pay for Grafana, if you want to answer this, or the users that pay, do you think they value design more because of how they pay? Do you think they engage with it more because they pay? Do you think that there is a exchange? in a value exchange because there is money involved? And have you noticed anything different between the open source folks and and how they value design? Because I think that this might be one of the foundations of this conversation, that I, you know this tricky one that I want to get into.
1: Yes, absolutely. That's a great question. And I think you're onto something there for sure. I have an example where I talked to a researcher for user research, and I was researching a feature that we had released Last year, Grafana alerting, we overhauled the whole thing and we knew that there were issues with it and repercussions from the overhaul. Too little time to do too much and not enough usability testing, same old story. So we tested it after the release and I was expecting people to be so, so satisfied with it. But this researcher, he was basically saying, I don't care how difficult it is. I'm just going to learn it. Just give me the documentation, I will read it, I will learn it. He did not judge, even though maybe the experience wasn't so great. But then there were other people who were actually open source users, but they said, well, we have paying customers and even we are struggling to use this because it's so pretty technical and you have to know your stuff really well to be able to use this feature. And so our customers, we would like our customers to be able to use this, but it's way too hard for them. So we need more convenience. And that's probably that exact thing that you mentioned, where if people are paying money for it, they expect that added convenience a little bit more. Whereas if people get something for free, they are willing to put more time and effort into learning it, even if it's maybe harder than a paid product. And in the end, We do think that because Grafana is open source, it is super powerful because we have all these external contributions and features that are built by the community for the community. I think a lot of our visualizations that we offer are community built. So even now that we grow so much as a company, I doubt that we internally would have the resources to add that much feature-wise and power-wise. But it's probably on that convenient side where the design has that added value. And I must also say, I feel like the UX team at Grafana is maybe not the place in the company where we have the most open source spirit, because we are just less familiar with the technical space. Some of our hires are just not technical people at all. We still struggle to use GitHub sometimes and contributing to code and having Git commands in the terminal, it's still intimidating to a lot of us from the team. And even though I am not super scared or not intimidated by this process as a principal, I also still sometimes struggle with project management on GitHub and exposing and surfacing my day-to-day work on there without it just being noisy or cluttery to the engineers because... I'm just not used to it either. You know, it's not everyday designer tooling and workplace. And that's why I think it's also interesting to be in a conversation like this or to just consciously think about how can we be part of the spirit and contribute in the same way that the engineers are doing, because I would like that. I would like to have external UX contributions. That would be amazing. So I have to put my own work and our work as a team out there, right? Otherwise it's impossible for anyone to get in there and join us.
3: Did you start mentioning the specific dynamics you have, you encounter during your work life? Lisa, I wanted to jump to say, I hear that you already engaged in a couple of engagements with your community so i want to ask if you guys in design have a structured way to plan new engagements and probably if you're publishing something or if that happens at an organizational level and just cover everything from dev stuff along with design if, if there's any how does that happens in grafana labs
1: we definitely have a culture of experimentation We have regular community calls and in the past we have also had a UX community call where we were only talking about UX related things and we're showing every month things that we are working on within the UX team and anyone could join these but unfortunately we had very few joiners. Usually if there were three to five external people that was a success sometimes it was just one person And then that one person who kept joining the calls and gave us great input got hired by us. They kind of vanished as an available person to talk to from the community side. And so because we were preparing all of these calls and not really gaining any momentum with them, we stopped having them. And now I think we have a roaster in our regular community calls where I think two or three times a year, the UX team will host a call and talk about what we're doing. And by bringing it in with all of the calls and all of the community members, we're hoping that gains more traction and that people will actually care a bit more. Maybe also our community marketing is not good enough to recruit more people or we were showing the wrong features. I don't know that. But yeah, it's also just, a lot of additional work. And I think recently we have gotten a bit slower at working on community things in general because we have a community team and it's their ballpark first. And sometimes they reach out, hey UX, do you want to collaborate on this or that? But it's not as frequent anymore as the company is growing and responsibilities are shifting, which is a bit unfortunate. I was also very involved in that. And currently I'm only working part-time. And so I don't really have the bandwidth. Maybe that's part of it. I need to start this back up when I have more working hours again.
0: There's a lot there that I would really love to to get to. But what you said at the very end there really hit a specific chord with me. The idea of collaboration with the rest of the departments as a UX designer. So when they are inviting that collaboration from your team and the team that you work with what would speedline that process i mean like you are a user experience designer what would make that whole process feel more fluid feel easier you know improve it in a way that feels more conducive to you know being part of that collaboration in your day-to-day because there is this overlaying question a lot of the time with like you know how does design contribute to open source well there's a lot of different ways, but it's not always you know, obvious from the outside. So how do you go about encouraging that as a designer in the field?
1: Regarding the collaboration between the community team and the UX designers, I think this is also due to organizational structure and the way we recently sort of arranged for UX designers. So we part of cross-functional teams, in multiple areas of Grafana. In the past, when we were just a very small UX team with a handful of people, we were just one team working on projects and not so much each designer being embedded in separate teams. And then I feel like we had kind of the same mindset as the community team, where everyone was very much on the highest hierarchy level, looking at all the projects and all the potential of what we could be talking about and what could be resonating with the community right now, or I don't know what's on the list for the big features for the next big release. And so it was easier to sync up with the team. And now we're more at like two separate ends because the community team is still on that highest level, cherry picking the most interesting stuff. Whereas every designer is more embedded into detailed areas of the product. And so for me, for example, it's really hard to say, okay, is the stuff that I'm working right now more relevant than a different UX topic? How can I even figure out what is the most relevant within all the things that we're doing as the UX team? And so that makes it harder, I think. So we're a bit more in the waiting mode of the community team telling us, hey, this is the most interesting thing from the community side, there's a ton of requests, a ton of community buzz about this project or this feature. So we're going to do something, a blog post or whatever. So it's a bit harder to be proactive about this, I think.
2: I was going to change track onto a different thing. Although you have mentioned one thing that I do want to get onto during our time here, which is hiring. And you already mentioned briefly, like, I think hiring from the Community, was that? Did I hear that correctly? So I do want to get onto that at some point, but I'm interested in this topic as well because this kind of goes into that product management aspect of things. It's like, how do you plan? Like, it's a different kind of environment planning for an open source related project when you've got multiple different kinds of stakeholders that are interested in the same thing being successful. The product wants to be successful. Everybody wants it to be good and have good features and be usable, that kind of stuff. And I found there's a couple of different ways in the spaces that I've worked in that have sort of worked, but also sort of really had a lot of tensions around them. There was one organization I worked for that tried to give a certain amount of votes to different open source regional communities to say, okay, you can vote for three things that you think are the most important things for your particular interests right now. And that maybe only worked really because those were quite big regional communities that could vote for certain things that they knew maybe would be good. But I think the tricky thing that came in when we were trying to product manage that was how did it fit into an overall roadmap that we had as the knowledge holders for the entire product. So we found that like the users of the tool, whether they were paid users or whether they were open source users, were really interested in these small parts, things that would make their day-to-day job better or their day-to-day better. But we were trying to look holistically across a whole roadmap of things that would improve like the user experience, not just in this small way, but in this large way. And you really... I don't know whether this is a phrase that translates across different cultures, but there's like a phrase, which is you're robbing Peter to pay Paul in, I think, the UK and other places. And it felt very much that you were robbing time from the UX designers on big, like strategical impact pieces that we could research and really plan really well in order to do these smaller pieces of work that the kind of community was interested. in. Does that sound familiar or is it different, uh, Grafana? Do you have a a different sort of approach to it? Is it easier to balance these things or is it
1: still a challenge? I think that's a very interesting saying. I have not heard something like that. I don't think we have that in Germany, but I will try and remember this. This is good. But regarding how people or communities are robbed or not robbed from the Grafana side, I don't actually think it's bad in that sense. It's more that at Grafana, we have, I would say, a mediocre UX to engineer ratio. For every UX person, there are 12 engineers. And the company was founded and originally created by engineers and all the engineers are doing UX work, whether I like that as UX designer or not. If there is not enough UX capacity, then the engineers will just build something and release it. Sometimes I only get to research something and usability test it after it's already built and shipped. And that's just how it is. And that is okay. And I feel like that way we still do have the resources to do the small things and I don't know, the more implementation related things or the smaller bugs, but they are often not covered by our UX people as much because it's really hard to follow up on everything, especially when I'm trying to do PR reviews. But by the time I get to that review, it's already merged, you know, (laughs) that happens to me all the time because it's such a small change and yeah it's a bit hard to get on that. But I also wanted to say that for the big features, at least there is still a bit of roadmap planning struggle because yeah, there is this chasm that we are trying to cover where we still have a lot of UX debt from when the company was small and when it was just sort of a quick fork project that evolved into something so big. And so We do have some projects and features planned that we call global UX, like improving the navigation, building a better search, all these things that will make life easier for everyone using the software. And they are not really tied to particular features or areas, but we still want to cover those. And those are the initiatives where I think the UX team can do a really strong contribution. And I think we are the driving force in that. But when it's more about the technical features of building something that our infrastructure monitoring, very technical audience is interested in, then the engineers often drive those efforts and we support them and get involved to research, make sure everything works from a usability side. But I think it's a nice give and take sort of looking at different priorities and needs and who can do the best contribution. The only thing that we're struggling with is probably still resources and time because we could do so much more if we just had more time and more people, you know, the struggle that everyone knows. I just wanted to follow up and say, this is so familiar to me. It sounds like
2: more than one other open source organization that I've been a part of. And I actually, I think sometimes it it sounds like when I talk on this podcast and other spaces that I don't want developers and engineers to be doing UX. And it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, it's not that I don't want you to be doing UX, it's that I want you to be able to feel like you're doing UX well. And if you do need to do it, that you feel like you have the resources, the access to the team. And I think one of the things that was really tricky, and I definitely didn't have time to do, but I often made time, which is impossible actually, to do was trying to implement those kinds of design system things within the organization. And I think that one of the things that I am most proud of, question mark, is when sometimes when the open source designers would come in, they would be able to actually see what was happening in those spaces and be able to kind of insert, oh, I see that there's a design system in there. The engineers are working on these small pieces of work. Can I go and help out over there? It didn't always work perfectly because I think, like you've said, there's something that is needed that's a little bit more an extra when those kinds of Pieces of work are undertaken so that it kind of got them to a certain point, but it still kind of helped. But I do think the saddest thing for me, as I said at the start of this mini run, is that, yeah, it's not that you don't want the engineers to be participating and doing UX. It's that you just want them to be able to have the best time that they can have with it and, and be equipped well. And sometimes design systems are that and sometimes they're not. But I'm not sure what the not is. I don't know whether you've found any other things that help the engineers feel well-supported when they do tackle UX problems, if you have any examples.
1: The one thing that we started pretty much ever since we had a UX team is we still have a weekly open feedback format. It's a 60-minute meeting call and you can just book however long you need within those 60 minutes to present something or just show what you're working on right now and get UX-related feedback, get some critiques. And usually at least a handful of members of the UX team are there and ready to give you the support that you need to find a solution for, I don't know, button placement or colors or which component to use there, right? And sometimes we realize that It's a bit bigger than this feedback session and we should schedule a separate call for this or have a little brainstorming together and we can still do that. But I think just having a place to send people to show their stuff and talk to someone about it is already so helpful. And sometimes it's not even just non-UXers going to the Yoda master UX designer for feedback. Sometimes it's also the other way around where we UX build something, but we're not the target audience. So we immediately get a gut check from the engineers where they are saying, this looks like I would use it, or this looks like it's completely off and it needs to work totally differently. So I really like that we have this because it works really well. Everyone loves
3: it. Following up on that, I want to connect with something that you wrote in the prompt document. About the open source way and just wanted to ask how is this open source way for you guys? And I wanted to ask you if you think every organization, like every product should have like an open source way, or if we should have like a more standardized contribution guideline of some sort for designers. And I asked this because you also may wondering like how to encourage more people to contribute, right? So I just wanted to ask, how do you consider that on that open source way you describe?
1: Ooh, that's an interesting question because probably from the engineering standpoint, there are a lot of resources there, but I only know the open source world from being employed at this company. So I was taught a lot of the ways of how things work in our ecosystem and in our GitHub org and all this stuff that you need to be able to take part in a project like this. And honestly, I would not know exactly how to do it if I was outside of that cosmos or ecosystem. I would probably start at GitHub and read some readmes and try and go from there. But often I still find it not super approachable for designers because it's sometimes really hard within all that jargon to figure out where is the place. That is relevant to me as a designer. If you have a good readme, sometimes it's easy. But if the readme is a bit more engineering driven, then it can be really hard. And so I think at least as a UX team within Grafana, we are not really educated on that at all. And if we want better contribution or contribution at all, this is sort of a great call to action to us as a team to actually learn about good practices there and start employing them. One thing that we do have is we have a public facing design system in Storybook and theoretically people can contribute to that. But since I'm not working with that Squad anymore, I don't really know what the status is on the code base side. And on the UX side, we just hired our very first design system designer who is dedicated and only doing work on that. So I'm hoping that much more will happen there. But in the past, I think it was more of a case-by-case, squeeze in a little contribution here and there in between projects kind of deal. And so it hasn't been the most structured, unfortunately. But hoping to do better there in the future.
0: That actually brings me really nicely into a question that I've been sitting on for a minute, which is, you know, as someone who is a designer in open source now, what would you suggest to a designer who is, say, listening to this show, who wants to get started in open source, but isn't really certain as to how they can start to contribute because some of the readmes aren't really written in a way that is open to people who don't really know about the systems? You know, what would have helped you going into this beginning?
1: You know, what I've always heard from the engineering side is, hey, just pick some typos or add some documentation or, I don't know, readme content, stuff like that. Something that isn't so technically challenging. And I think just to understand the practice of using GitHub and contributing through those version management tools and open source tools, this kind of contribution can be a good start just to learn your way around that. But as a designer, I think probably a lot of people lack more of the contribution skill or open source knowledge rather than the design knowledge. At least I was that way before joining Grafana. So I had the design skills and it wasn't about trying to learn that. Whereas a lot of engineers moving into open source are doing that to work on their engineering skills. So I'm not really sure because I haven't worked on design projects outside of Profana Labs, but I'm not sure whether open source design is a good place to learn design things. Maybe it could be nice just to get in touch with other designers who are working on real design projects and have something concrete and applicable that people are using instead of just a fictionary, whatever mock-up of an app that is not really being used and has no real Opportunities to test it. So that could be an upside to it for sure. But that probably really depends on the project that you're picking, whether you could get good support there and learn the technical skills of becoming a designer and doing good UX work versus just learning how to move in the open source space and having to bring the design skills already from a different place of learning.
0: So when you are starting out and then doing this work, and as a designer and you're first starting to you know get into this what were some like working at grafana you have a, a rather interesting case just because you started as a designer and got hired into this field when you were first working with people in this system what did collaboration look like you know what did working within an organization and not being hired you know like from the community how Might that be different for someone who was hired up from the community?
1: I think at least for Grafana, which is a very complex B2B product with a very technical user base, it started with having to learn a lot about the technology behind it. And for me, that meant two weeks of absolutely overwhelming content overload and so much jargon. And I was so lost. And I think that's normal. Maybe even engineers feel that. But I think if we hire engineers from the community, they are already users in some way often. So they at least know the space. They know the jargon. They know a little bit of something about query languages, maybe. But the good thing is that once you start working on something concrete and maybe also just talking to real people using the tool to do their day-to-day job and solve problems, then it just becomes much more clear. At least for me personally, I just talked to people that I knew where I had heard, you know, because I was mentioning, hey, I was starting this new job at Grafana. and some people who I knew became like very eager and like interested and said, oh, I know this. We are using that at my company. And then I said, oh, that's great. Can I come shadow you for a bit? And so I just visited them at their workplace and looked over their shoulder and saw what they are doing with it and how they're using it. And that helped me so much just to understand what the product is even about or the software. And I'm hoping that even for other open source tools, there would be a way to get in touch with people who are using the tool, even if it looks like rocket science to you. And I mean, Grafana is being used by some space agencies. So some of them, (laughs) some of our users are doing rocket science with it. Oh, intimidating. And also, I feel like the mindset of open source is often that you don't have to understand it fully to be part of it. It's okay to struggle and sometimes get overwhelmed, but people are still very helpful and will take the time to explain things. So yeah, I think it's really not as intimidating as it might look at the start or from the outside. You just have to be willing to Walk through that valley of confusion and find your feet. And then it's really cool, actually. It's definitely a great place to explore and solve complex problems. Thanks to that job, I now feel like I can do any UX work at any company, in any field. It doesn't matter. I can do anything. I am really reinforced with steel or whatever you would call that.
0: And that is the phenomenal aspect of both design work in general but also specifically you know work in open source is the fact that you were able to go watch someone else use the program learn through it that way interact with it i mean it's fantastic and that's all i've got to say to that and to give us a really cheesy segue speaking of things that are fantastic let's talk about spotlight spotlight is a section that we have at the end of every episode where We just take some time to shine some light on some projects that we really think are fantastic, that we want other people to know about, and we want, you know, just to give a little bit of love to because we care about them so much. So you've brought one here with uh, Scribeus.net. Do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Sure. So I originally come from a graphic design background, so I was an avid Adobe user for a long time. And then I moved into open source software. And then I thought, can I find a free and open source version of the desktop publishing tools? And then I stumbled upon Scribus. And although I must say, sometimes I still get slightly frustrated because I learned to use desktop publishing with Adobe and Scribus is not an Adobe product. So sometimes it's just different and maybe slightly harder and slightly less automated. Sometimes I'm like, our subscribers, why? But most of the time, I'm like, this is amazing. And I didn't pay any money for this. And people just built this as a community without significant monetary support. And so I'm really happy that I can do my photo books and my print stuff that I like to do in my free time with an open source tool now.
0: Fantastic. I'll have to look into them. I also do photo books and I am looking to find something that I can work on publishing tools without having to use a remarkable and powerful tool, but one that is rather closed. Memo, you want to go next?
3: Sure. My take for this like, is a really lightweight but powerful library of illustrations on humans. The link is humans with triple A.com. So it's a really great example of how you can Craft your projects around an open source concept and put it out there. It creates value for everyone. You get more noticed and you're also publishing your work, helping more folks keep their results. So yeah, that's my spotlight for today.
0: Also fantastic. And I'm going to have to use some of these for some work I think we're doing with Open OpenRIT soon. So these are fantastic memo. Thank you. And what about you, Errol?
2: I have not chosen a project. I have chosen an event, that's going to be happening, I believe, in July. So the event is Coscut. The URL that you want to go to to check out what's going to happen at Coscut once they have finalized their schedule is org, And then you'll probably want to do the slash 2022. COSCUP is a really cool conference all about open source that is in Taiwan and it's very community-led and community-centric. One of the interesting things about COSCUP is they're really interested in open source design, but admittedly, of the, their own admission, that design is very different in open source over in Taiwan and in some of the countries that are represented at COSCUP. So there's a really different and uh, unique and interesting attitude towards how design is done in open source there. So I really recommend that folks listen to some talks and also consider putting in a talk proposal about how you do design in open source where you are based.
0: I've been using this a little bit lately. I'd a tool called uicolors.app, and it just helps you generate easy, smooth color palettes and just like repeat them and create new ones and fool around with that. And it's a really great way to kind of get through that artist's block when you've been using the same two colors for several months in a row. And now you remember that there's a rainbow and you want to use something else and you're not really sure where to go. And it's been really helpful. It's made by a guy named Eric DeVries. And I believe he's located in the Netherlands. And he is a UX designer and developer, but he made this little tool. And it's just one of those little things that helps you... Do more work throughout the day. I like
3: it quite a lot. The one was really cool. So just one last thing for folks to be able to connect with you. Can you tell us how you prefer to be contacted?
1: Sure. Feel free to ping me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is just over nine thousand because I like really old, crusty memes. Yeah. So feel free to. Ping me there. Or, of course, you can contact me through my Grafana email. Jessica Muller, with a U, not the German umlaut thing, at grafana.com.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, Jess. It has been an absolute pleasure and an education. It's been fantastic to speak with you.
1: Well, thank you. I really enjoyed this as well.
3: Well, I guess it's the wrap-up. Remember to... Follow us on Spotify or any other podcast tool that you use. We're also available from sustainoss.org. You can write us an email at sosdesign at sustainos.org.